Comics. Comics. Welcome to the Omen Comics Podcast, where we talk about everything from writing comics to the philosophies held within them. My name is Michael Nunley, the creator of the Omenverse, and with me, as always, is my friend Steve Sellers, the creator of the Blitzverse. Today, we're talking about writing comics in the Omen way. What makes writing comics different from for the Omen crew as opposed to writing comics for others? Well... Uh... When we start looking at the way we do things at Omen, uh, we have uh, a certain uh, structure that we've learned to develop over time. And we also have um, certain rules that we've kind of established for ourselves. Um, some of it's narratively, and some of it is just uh, the process that we go by to do this. And one of the things that we always want to keep in mind is that to a certain extent, we're kind of trying to show in a way, a film through uh, the pages and the way we lay them out. Okay, And the way we sort of do this is we want to keep in mind that every panel is a snapshot of time. And when we link panels together, the idea is, is that they're moving pictures in a sense. Um, the idea that when uh, you flip a lot of different related pictures together, they form a story. Uh, so we want to kind of keep those principles in mind. Uh, there are others, of course, that um, Michael uh, lays down for himself and, and for Omen. Um, but that's kind of the basic structure. So now, kind of, a, kind of a keeping sequential art actually sequential is a yes. is the key part. Uh, pretty much exactly, yeah. Uh, so the idea being that everything should be sequential and that the sequences uh, form a smooth, uh, clear film. You know. Uh, or the film, it may not be the film we necessarily have in our head, but but that's <laughs> the goal. But the thing also to keep in mind is, is that this is not meant to be prescriptive. We are not trying to tell you, this is how you have to write comics, and this is the only way to write comics. <laughs> no, not, not the god of comics. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. I'm not even sure that, like, you know, Alan Moore would, 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 would do it that way. Uh, but the idea really is is that we've developed kind of our own process that works for us and for the omen verse and so um the idea really is is like if you're you know going to create your own comic or if you're going to create your own company or however you want to do this um the idea is to find the rules that work for you and so we're just kind of short sharing the process behind that you know how we do that Right. We're definitely we're definitely not trying to lay down some rigid rules of this is the the formula for success or this is how you must do these things. Uh, uh, part of our situation is situational. Part of it is stylistic, stylistic. But either way, it's it's unique to how we do it. We just hope that perhaps this process might be inspiring. Right. And, you know, so the idea is, is we want to be able uh, to find the process that works for us. And 
also that works for the story that we're trying to tell, you know, so that you can look at these pages and that you can get the experience that um, that we hope that you'll be able to enjoy and appreciate. Totally, totally. So what are the what are some of the what are some of the things that uh, you do to uh, make your your story cinematic? OK, well, um, the thing really is, is that um, now not, you may very well be one of those people that are not uh, the type to necessarily think in pictures. If you're one of those people that thinks in pictures, uh, <laughs> I love you <laughs> uh, because uh, I can't do that. <laughs> so I have to, in my head, uh, find ways um, to turn what I see in my head into uh, a, a series of pictures. Um, one of the things that I did was uh, I took uh, Neil Gaiman's uh, masterclass uh, recently. And one of the things uh, that he did was uh, he outlined uh, the Midsummer uh, Night's Dream issue of Sandman, and he showed uh, how he broke that down. And one of the ways that he did this was he would use uh, essentially a beat sheet where he would loosely describe what's on each page. So, uh, and then from that kind of extrapolate how the panels are laid out, you know, what needs to be in each page, uh, what uh, sequences need to be shown. So like a, like a page breakdown to yes. take which yeah. way you're going. Right. Okay. So, you know, so that kind of helps because it, it kind of a, uh, helps you avoid putting too much on each page, which is a problem that I sometimes have. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I'm sure Michael can uh, can swear to all the times when you know he's had to look at pages and say, "Yeah, this is too much on one page. We need to to break it up." So, so this is one of the ways that I try to do to avoid that problem. Um, and another if it, thing, if it makes you feel any better, Steve, I have issues with trying to get stuff on a page that I want to fill it full of five thousand details too. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we we always have like too much story in our head, and we want to put every as much on the page as possible. But the thing is, is that the page itself is limited, and you have to think about what's important to show, and in what order, and how much room you have on the page. So you have to learn to kind of manage that. And the beat sheet is like a, a good rule of thumb. Um, you know, if you're if that's something you struggle with. Um, in terms of other things that I do. Um, one thing that I think is really good is to try to have references. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily saying like you have to do like deep uh, involved uh, research on every single thing that you show in the page. But um, if you oh, want to like get a yeah, the idea, the idea is just a flavor of authenticity. Okay? Right. Um, to, to give it enough window dressing where it looks real and you can describe it to your artist. Um, and they can kind of take that. Um, now, with the way we do it, and for reasons we'll get into, um, I have to describe things in a way where anybody <laughs> can theoretically look at the script and say, okay, I know what he's trying to say. This is what I have to draw. So the idea is, okay, I need to get references where I can clearly uh, describe these things you know, in a way that's accessible to, you know, anybody off the street uh, in, you know, wherever they are or whenever they are. Um, now, some things do involve a lot of deep research. Um, Guardians of a Lamb is one of those where I had to do a lot of that. Um, you'll, you'll see the result of that, uh, hopefully, um, in coming issues. But 
uh, really a lot of that was being able to describe, um, you know, certain historical landmarks, uh, you know, certain places like Herod's Palace that that uh, does play into that issue, things like that. Um, in terms of what you may have already seen um, with uh, White Druid and Michael Nero number one, uh, one thing I did that with was with uh, Lou's uh, Manor House in Ireland, where um, I just went and looked up a bunch of manor houses and I tried to find one that looked like the one that Lou might live in. <laughs> and um, I kind of used that as sort of a loose basis uh, to describe uh, the uh, manner for uh, Hawashika who drew that issue. So that this was, is kind of the process that we go through. That was, that was, I just got to say that was a, that was a, a well-chosen house too. I, 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 I can still picture the big crackoom across yeah. the top of it with the lightning flashing and the wind blowing. It was, it, yeah. Hawashika did very good on that. <laughs> oh yeah, he was great. He, <laughs> it, it looks very much like, uh, like what I picked up. Right on, right on. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think uh, writing writing cinematically is uh, definitely definitely something that is different from uh, the average. Like for instance, writing novels or even uh, uh, having to uh, write out a comic script for another person. We we not only have to be uh, we have to be detailed, yes, but uh, we have to describe things visually in such a way that we act as the set dresser, the costume designer, the producer, the director, the writer of a film. We're like playing all these different parts where uh, other people actually put it together, but like we have to write the instructions for everyone to do that. That that that's definitely something different than how the average the average comic book writer uh, needs to do a script, and I think I think part of that uh, deals with uh, it it having to be uh, done for other people that are in other countries. Um, our artist is in Nigeria, and our letterer is is in Argentina. So we have to be very we have to be very specific uh, when when we're talking to them, like you're talking about uh, before. You mentioned that it has to be in a way that anyone looking at it can see what it is that we're trying to say and what it is that we want. That it's not uh, you know I've read a lot of other scripts where uh, the people will be very generic in their in their uh, panel descriptions. Like, you know, a guy does this. Well, you know, in Omen Comics, that's not how it works. you got to describe what that guy looks like and what exactly he's doing and where he's doing it at and what happens when he does it. And it, it, it's, a whole, it's a whole different, like, we're filming a scene almost in each panel. Yeah. And, we're, uh, and we're, we tend to be very, very much more detailed uh, than uh, a lot of other uh, publishers that you're going to find. Um, I mean, I've, I've looked through so many different scripts, like uh, as I was trying to like develop um, the style for uh, writing uh, comics. And it, the way we do it is a lot more challenging, but it's also a lot more worthwhile, uh, you know, once we get it done. Right. I think I think it definitely turns out it turns out well and it, it feels it feels fluid when when we're done. You know, you don't have those pages where uh, 
you, you know, from you you read one or two panels that 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 feels sequential, and mm -hmm. then the next two or three feel like you you missed three or four panels, and you just kind of mm -hmm. skipped a whole second. Like this, yeah. by the way, this is five minutes later, kind of a thing. And uh, I I I, I like how uh, having to focus on that detail and having to work on that fluidity makes that feel so much more so much more smooth. It really has that film on paper. Yeah, and you know, a lot of it is just kind of keeping in mind that just because uh, you have it playing out a certain way in your head doesn't mean that it's necessarily playing that way the way you written it on the page. Uh, uh, you really, you really need to kind of go through and, and kind of make sure that's as fluid as you can describe it. Now, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen uh, once uh, the script moves out of your hands, but. You know, you want to uh, take as much ownership of that as possible, uh, in, at least in terms of the Omen process. I learned a lot of that with Omen number one, actually. Mm. Uh, that there, I, I had, I had that issue playing out a little bit differently in my head, mm -hmm. where it, it was, it, it was more. Uh, uh, you know, th there, there were scenes like when, when Frank grabs Fassbender and they they go over the rails so he can save his men um, I had that that whole sequence uh, going much more smooth and it had a you know much had a different panel layout than I had described and and that there are there are logistical things that even even with all of the the detail and, and vividry I put into the image itself mm -hmm. that uh, there's there's the fact that once you hand it off, like you're saying, to another person, to the artist, some of that is going to be lost in translation. Right, because it always is. It's it's unfortunate, uh, honestly. I, I but there's there's no way around it. Making comics is a is a group effort. Right. There isn't any there isn't any way around that. You you you're not you do your small part, but then that small part gets gets taken up by other people and they then put put their parts in it and no no one person makes a comic yeah <laughs> unless you're frank miller or something <laughs> well right but even even frank miller frank miller might have uh i don't did he do his own lettering and stuff too um i don't know about that i think i now that i think about it i think john byrne did uh but yeah miller i don't remember i think a lot of the stuff that he did was lynn varley Right, I like. I found I found well, with our letterer Guido Martinez. Um, he will do things uh, with lettering by choosing a particular font or choosing a particular uh, uh, size or or, or uh, using some kind of animation in in how something is said, and it really affects the feel and the flow of the story and in in the lettering. And then there's the the editor, of course. You know, has to uh, your your favorite person, by the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> has to has to go. He over. keeps me honest. Yes, he does it to me too. I I, I both hate and love him for that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you you definitely definitely have to have to focus on uh, uh, fluidity. You definitely have to focus on detail, and not just detail, but details about details. Mm -hmm. Uh, Omen Comics is uh, writing Omen Comics is going to be much different than any other comic that you might write for because mm -hmm. 
uh, we can't just call up uh, our artists in Ibadan, Nigeria, and you know chat with them about how we feel like a uh, a panel should go or a page should flow or anything. It's limited to social media, and and that has its limitations too. It does, it does. But I think that I think that fairly covers the the basics of of what it, what goes into writing Omen comics. We we try to make the as Steve pointed out, the sequential art actually has to be sequential. You know, when when you're writing when you're when you're watching a movie, um, in, unless it's like a, a dramatic effect, like you're seeing it in a strobe light or something, you don't see choppy uh, movement scenes. You don't see you don't see uh, bits of dialogue uh, that aren't necessarily connected to the next the the next bit. It all has to flow and make sense, and it has to connect and and link together. Yeah, and it, it needs to not throw the reader out of the experience, and and we're kind of hoping uh, that so far that we've succeeded with that. Right. That that was a big one for me when when we we used to uh, review comics was. Mm-hmm. When it even if the story was really basic, it wasn't a whole lot of depth to it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. If I could get into the world and mm-hmm. stay in the world from the beginning of the comic to the end of the comic, I looked at it as a successful writing venture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's some artists that have really done it well in, in contrast. And so you really want to prize the people that really know how to tell the story visually. For sure, for sure. Who who would you say have been your your bigger influences as far as uh, how you have you how you have adapted to writing in my sandbox, as it were? <laughs> well, um, I don't know that there was a particular uh, writer. I think it was more a process of okay, this is the world that I'm dealing with, and so I have to kind of adjust to that. Um, but in you know, in terms of like how I look at you know Druid and Nero. Um, I would certainly uh, kind of look to Stephen Moffat, who did uh, Sherlock and Doctor Who. Um, there is a little bit of that. Um, one of, probably my biggest writing influence period is Chris Claremont, but I think that's more evident, I think, on Guardians, which is more of a team-oriented uh, series. Right. Um, yeah, and with, yeah, with uh, and a lot of which I would also say, yeah, I would also say like Todd McFarlane with Spawn, like especially like the early issues. I feel like. You know, in terms of like establishing tone, um, he was really good at uh, doing that. And he really knew what good writing was and how to make that work, even if uh, like a lot of his panels were overwritten at times. But, you know, he knew how visually to make a story move and he knew how to establish the kind of um, dark, spooky tone that the Omenverse has. So that that I sometimes kind of think about uh, the way he did it. Right. I definitely, I definitely had uh, a lot of influence in uh, Claremont, but more as uh, how he how he did things as a in his career, um, mm-hmm. how he would plant little bits of he would start these little storylines mm-hmm. in comics, and sometimes it would be years before he would get around to resolving them. Sometimes and, it would be years before he remembered that he had them there. <laughs> yes, yes, that too. And uh, I, I like I like to write in that fashion. I I want to I want to write in a way that you can read my comic, uh, you know, fifty times 
over over the next uh, several years and have just as many experiences reading it. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, the the thing with Claremont that really sticks is the characterization. Like these were not just the X Men were not just like these characters that you know walked on to their bits and went off. Um, they became very believable, lifelike people with a lot of moral complexity. Um, so, you know, Wolverine would kind of start off a, a certain way and then he would gradually change and grow over the course of the stories. And, you know, he would have uh, a lot more soul to him and he would be almost a different person towards the end that he was at the beginning. And that's another thing where I'm kind of hoping that we're uh, aiming towards. Ah, like uh, to, you, you like to see the, the growth of a character. Throughout, oh, yeah. Throughout yeah. Time. Definitely, I think another another one of my uh, another one of my influences got to be Scott Snyder. Mm. Yeah, uh, he, he's done some good stuff. Well, it, particularly his run on Batman. Mm. Um, the, the world building in that run, I, I I'm very impressed by. Right, right. I liked how he handled. It was he managed to go from from. Uh, you know, little mini story to mini story, but it felt like one one fluid thing, mm -hmm. like it was just a natural progression to move on to this next portion. Yeah, and it wasn't just the story of you know Bruce as a character; it was the story of Gotham City and how it had changed over time and uh, what Bruce's place in it was. And and I, I thought that was an interesting uh, way of approaching it. Right, that that kind of inspired me to do uh, what, what I've what I've done in building the character of Kingdom City. Mm -hmm. uh, in that, you know, there are different parts of town. Uh, there mm -hmm. are these these town, parts of town have have histories and social classes and stuff. There's, right. you know, we even have we 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 have an established scene of punk and metal bands in Kingdom mm -hmm. City. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there. Uh, of fear. Yeah, we definitely put put character into the city, and and uh, Scott Snyder was a big uh, Scott Snyder doing that with with Gotham City was a, was a big inspiration for that for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, I think in terms of that, it was uh, Kurt Busiek's Astro City, um, and actually that was a big influence on uh, Blitz for Revelation, um, which we'll talk about another time, but. You know, the I like the way that Busick um, built like each district. I like the way that um, a lot of it was the history of Astro City. It wasn't but just about like, you know, the Superman character or, or Wing Victory or any of these other people per se. They're just a small uh, slice of the history of that city. But ultimately, it was the character of the city itself um, that kind of dominates over it. That's really what it's about. Like. You know the whole community of heroes that exists in the city, and I, I really like the way that he did that. I would say I had the exact same experience with Sin City. Mm, yeah, that's another really great one. That you know, like just how you describe that there, how each each character in there was just this slice of this bigger character of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the fact that it was called Basin City, and you know that changed, right? I mean, just little, just little touches like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we pretty much covered uh, how to write comics the Omen way. What do you think? 
I think uh, we've uh, given people a pretty thorough look into uh, our process and how we do things here. Right on, right on. Well, I hope you guys found this to be entertaining and hopefully inspiring. Uh, let us know if this did anything for you. If if uh, this give you gave you any ideas about how you like like might like to write, and let us know how you yourself write. We'd like to hear about it. Yeah, same here. Have a good one, guys. Thank you for listening to the Omen Comics podcast. This has been Steve Sellers and Michael Nunnally here with Omen Comics. And uh, we encourage you to look into all our Omenverse titles, wherever they might be sold, including Comixology, Amazon, uh, Draw Me in Comics, and elsewhere. Uh, if you like our content, please like, subscribe, hit the magic bell for notifications. And until next time, we'll see you in the Omenverse. I hope you've had fun hanging out with us today on ORP. I know that Steve and I have had fun making this episode. If you've had fun too, we invite you to share this episode and help us get the word out. For our Spotify listeners, we ask you to please rate our show as well. That can really help to grow our audience. But to all our listeners everywhere, we want to say thank you for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.